thank you so much for joining the Faith Chapel podcast. Wherever you may be joining us from, we hope that you know that you are loved and that this message encourages you throughout your week. such a powerful time of worship. Thank you so much for being a part of Faith Chapel. Thank you for joining us today. You know, there's a man on safari. He was in Africa and everything was going incredible until he turned the corner and he was faced face to face with a tiger. He decided to back away as slowly as he possibly could and he began to kind of drift away. And then right then and there, the tiger noticed him and began to follow him. He began to walk a little bit more. He ran and he ran his way out of the forest until this, until this incredible pasture. And he ran all the way through the pasture and he got to the edge of the pasture and it dropped off. It was a ledge 3,000 feet deep. He had no place to go. He couldn't go to his left or to his right. So he decided to, to look down. And as he looked down, he's like, there's no way I'll survive that jump. But there was a little branch that was there. So he jumped down and he grabbed the branch and it kind of cracked as he grabbed it, but it held his weight. And he was relieved that he was away from that tiger. Well, he was he was looking up. How was he going to get out of this particular incident? How was he going to how was he going to survive? He couldn't go up. The tiger was there still too deep to go down. He couldn't go to the side. So he looked up to the heavens and he cried out. And he said, he said, God, help me. I'll do anything. If you'll if you'll help me, if you'll just save me, God, please. It was about that time a voice from heaven came and he said, do you trust me? Will you do anything? Will you really do it? And he's like, oh, yes, God, I'll do anything. I'll do anything you want me to do. But Lord, please save me. God spoke to him again and he said, well, then let go of the branch. After a long pause, he decided to look up to heaven one more time. And he said, is there anybody else that's up there that can help me? And that's kind of our relationship with God, isn't it? I mean, we, we go into these moments where we trust God, where we don't trust God. And if he would have trusted God in that moment, what he would have known or what he would have found out is that just a few feet away, where's a ledge and he would have fallen to that ledge. But he didn't trust God in that moment. He reached out to something else. And I think there's so many times in our life, that's the way we are in our relationship with God. And every relationship is based on trust. In fact, every relationship that we have in this life is based on trust. And this is the one area where we struggle with God in the promises of God. Promise, we struggle taking him at his word. You know, his word is that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. That he is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. But we struggle in our relationship with God at times to trust that he's with us, that he's there, that he's always beside us. We struggle sometimes in that trust area of, God, are you really with me? Because it doesn't seem like that you are. It doesn't feel like that you are. Well, in your notes, I want you to know intimacy looks like this. It's the experience of knowing and being known by another person. It's the experience of knowing and being known by another person. Trust is at the heart of intimacy. There is The more we trust someone, the closer that we'll get to them. To the degree in which we trust them is the deeper the level will become. And it's the same way with God. I want you to think about it this way. It's like a, a candlelit dinner for a romantic music that's playing. And there's this sweet moment that are, for the couple. And they're there in this restaurant. And it's an incredible moment, right? But it's not really intimate. It's only going to be intimate to the degree as they are trusting one another. 
If there's a relational distance between them, then, then there'll be, a, because of a lack of trust, then the aesthetics that are all around, that are creating this incredible moment, really doesn't matter. Only in restoring trust will that environment actually create the romantic intimacy that maybe they were hoping for. See, the heart of intimacy with God isn't really about God's nearness or his distance. Intimacy with God isn't spatial. It's not about space. It's really about trust. It's about taking God as his word. It's not a description of his actual proximity to us, but of our experience of intimacy with him, our trust in him. Many times we, we feel distant from God and it's due be, because of a lack of trust, sin in our life, or maybe even a disappointment. Listen to what the psalmist said in Psalm 73, 28. He said, for me, it is good to be near God. And I want you to just think about that for a minute because that's the truth of what we're talking about. It is good for me to be near God. And I think that's the cry of everyone's heart. That's why God has put eternity in the heart of every man because there's something that cries out in us that we need God, that we need to be near God, that we want to be close, we want to be in fellowship, we want to be near our, 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 our creator. And that's what David was talking about in Psalm 139, verse one through seven. He said, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all of my ways. Before a word was on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before me. You lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is way too wonderful for me to even attain to or too lofty for me to understand. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee your presence? I'm going to talk to you about this intimacy of knowing God this morning. And God knows you intimately. That's what I want to drive home. And first, right here in this passage, he says he searches me. Maybe you've said this before. Maybe nobody really knows me. Maybe you've said nobody understands me. And I understand your frustration. And I think David did too. At the writing of this psalm, it was written at a time of incredible opposition where David might have felt that nobody knew him, that nobody understood him. But that quickly changed as he meditated upon the Lord. You know, the term search here in your notes is a, an intense searching to examine with great pain and care. He's saying that God has taken great pain and great care to examine his life. The Jewish people used this term when they were digging deep into a mine to find some precious or valuable mineral. He's saying that God continues to search and he keeps digging into our life as he's searching something inside of us. Maybe it's the something that he placed in us that he's trying to earn unearth in us to bring out the best quality in us. See, God continues to intensely search our lives, paying great attention to every part of you. God knows you intimately. God knows your heart, your fears, your thoughts, your motives, your dreams, your frustration. Number two, he just knows you. He knows your past and your present and your future. He understands you. He notices what's going on around you. He's listening to you. He gets you. When nobody else seems to get you, God understands. In fact, God has pegged you better than you pegged yourself. He doesn't only know something about us, he knows us more than we could ever imagine. The word know means to know or to have knowledge about someone by observing or through the senses. 
I thought that was interesting, that God knows us because he has a vast knowledge of who we are, but he's also experienced you with his senses, meaning he's been that close. He knows all about you. Friend, listen, God knows you intimately. And thirdly, God understands my thoughts. In verse two, it says, you perceive my thoughts from afar. This honestly is a little bit scary. I mean, God can get inside our heads. He knows what's going on there. This means he knows more about you than your mobile phone knows about you. Your phone has the ability to track you down to the, to the very inch or the very foot of where you are. But God's knowledge is even more than that. He not only knows you, but he knows, and he not only knows where you've been, but he knows what you're thinking and he knows why you're even there. Friend, God knows you intimately. And fourthly, he comprehends my path. Verse three, you discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all of my ways. He knows our ways, where we go, when we go, how we go, why we go, the habits, the little things that can either help us or hinder us in our walk with him. Another translation says, you scrutinize my path. I mean, that, that's pretty thorough examination, the scrutiny that comes with every step and every part of our going and our coming. Friend, I'm, going, I'm here to remind you that God knows you intimately. In verse five, he's familiar, or number five, he's familiar with all of my ways. The previous verses reveal the deep knowledge about everything that God knows in our lives, our actions, our locations, our ways. And the term way here is journey, or the way, or our conduct. He knows all about our conduct. He knows all about our journey. In fact, in the Hebrew, it's written in a much stronger language. A loose reading might say something like this. I can't get away with anything. Why? Because God knows it all. God knows you intimately. Number six is he knows my every word. In verse four, it says this, before a word was even on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. Even before I spoke a word, God knows what I'm going to say. I mean, it's like that song in the movie Frozen a few years ago where Hans and Anna were talking, you know, and they're saying, we finish each other's, well, they said sandwiches, but everybody thought they were going to say sentences, right? I mean, they know each other that well. God knows you that well that he finishes your sentences. He knows so much about us. He knows everything about us. In fact, in Matthew 10, 30, it says he's even taken the time. Get this. He's taken the time to count the very hairs upon our heads. Now, for me, that didn't take him very long. But for some of you, that's a long time. And that's interesting to me because that tells me that he is intimately involved in my life. And he wants to know my body, my family, my relationships. He wants to know everything about my life. God knows me intimately. God knows you intimately. I mean, by now, you might be fearful of being reminded about how much God actually knows about our lives. But for the faithful child of God, listen, this isn't frightening. It's actually comforting. David seems to be struggling with this same concept early in this chapter. He's trying to understand it all. He said, it's just too much for me to even comprehend. But by the end of the chapter, verses 23 and 24, he says this, search me, God, and know my heart. I, that jumped out at me. I thought, that's interesting. 
that he, he says God knows all about him and he's struggling to understand it. And there's this little heaviness that comes with, I can't go anywhere. I mean, I can't do anything. God knows everything. If I go to the highest heavens, you're there. If I go down in the lowest valleys or in shale, you're there. God, you know everything about me. And then at the end, he's saying, God, search me and know me more. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. What was David doing? He was inviting God to search him even more. Why? Because he knows that God loves him and cares about him deeply. You see those words in chat in verses 23 and 24? Search me and know me could only be spoken by someone who feels completely love and listen, completely accepted. There's no fear because they know that even though you search me, oh God, and even though you know me full well, and even though you know my shortcomings, guess what? You'll never push me aside. You know me and you love me. You accept me just the way that I am. That's an incredible promise. That's an incredible promise for you and for me. Because it doesn't matter what, what we don't do or what we do. And it doesn't matter what we, how we don't measure up. It doesn't matter. God accepts you just the way you are. Now, he loves you too much to keep you that way. He's wanting to grow your life and help make you into the image of Jesus. But listen, he accepts you just the way you are. Let's go back real quick and look at verse five. It says, you hem me behind me and before me. You hem me in and you lay your hand upon me. Even though God sees everything in our life, what does he promise to do? He's promising to hem us in, to be in front of us and behind us, put a hedge of safety around us, to protect us, to watch over us. What is he saying? He goes, I'm journeying through life with you. I'm never going to leave you. I'm right here with you. I know you intimately, but I accept you just the way you are. And I'm here for the long haul. I don't just run away when you make a mistake. I don't come back when you do something good. That's not how God works. God says he loves us enough to him as in, even the front, the back. He circles us, encircles us, encompasses us in our lives. And then that laying of the right hand. You know, in the Jewish Hebrew custom, there was nothing more sacred. There was nothing more honoring than, than the oldest patriarch, the oldest father in the family. Might be a great grandfather, a father, a grandfather. Took all his children together and to place his right hand. The right hand was the hand of blessing. And to place his right hand upon them and to speak into their future, to declare how they were accepted into this family, to speak into them that how they were a part of this family, to speak blessing, future blessing into their lives. The whole family would gather around and they would, they would participate in this one incredible act where the father would put his hand upon their children and he would speak life into them. This is what David's referring to. David is saying, God himself, even though he knows you intimately, even though he knows your strengths and your weakness, even though he knows when you ring the bell and when you don't, when you do it right and when you don't do it so well, he's putting his hand upon you. And he is asking blessing and speaking blessing over your life. He's declaring that you're a part of this family, that you're a part of the family of God, that he is watching over you, that he is speaking into your future, a future that will give you a future of a hope, a future of blessing, a future of destiny, a future of prosperity. He's giving you a future and a hope. This is what he speaks over our lives. 
Every day, God knows you intimately. Yes, but it's not fearful. It's a promise of saying, God, you accept me and you're speaking blessing into my life. Marianne Bird writes that while she was growing up, she recognized that she was just a little bit different from all the other kids. In fact, the worst day of her life was always the first day of school. She would arrive, she had a cleft palate, her nose was not in the right place, her face was ajar, her teeth were all jagged, and, and so the kids would make fun of her, and here she would go into the new class, there'd be people that maybe didn't know her, and they would start pointing fingers as she would walk in, and on one particular day, this incredible teacher that everybody liked, Miss Leonard, she was getting her to conduct a hearing test, and, and she, was, she, she knew how it all worked. She, you, you stand a few feet away from the teacher, and she would whisper something like, are you wearing new shoes? And then you had to repeat the phrase. She would say something like, you know, are you ready for school, or is the sky blue? And you would have to repeat the phrase. Well, when it was her turn, she stood there at the right distance away from the teacher, and these seven words, she said, changed her life forever. She said, I wish you were my little girl. You know, I picture God this morning looking into your life and saying, I wish you were my little girl. I wish you were my little boy. I wish you were a part of my family. And if you are and you just feel estranged and you don't realize how much God intimately loves you and cares for you and has accepted you, God is saying with his right hand of blessing on you right now, you're my little boy. You're my little girl. You're my son. You're my daughter. And I want you to feel that, that, that presence of God in your life right now. I want you to understand that God is bringing you into his family so that you can experience that nearness and that intimacy with God. Remember, intimacy is knowing and being known by someone. God knows you. He's waiting for you to know him in the same way so that you can feel that intimacy. So you walk through those valleys of the shadow of death. You can say, I fear no evil because I know. What do I know? I know my God is with me. Friend, I want you to know that God's with you right now. In fact, the greatest promise of God's word that we need, you know, we started talking about how every relationship was based on trust and taking God at his word. Can I tell you the greatest promise that God has ever given that if for all those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And I'm talking to all of you that you may not know God. Maybe God's through his spirit is dealing with you right now and, and you're, you're feeling that tug of war that's on the inside of your heart. Can I tell you, that's just God bringing you to himself and he's just saying, would you just call upon my name? For all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. You'll feel that nearness, that intimacy, that closeness with God. And so would you pray this prayer with me? Wherever you are, whatever device you're watching on, whoever you might be with, I want everyone that's listening right now to bow your heads and pray this prayer. Say, dear Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin, to come into my life and to forgive me of all of my sins. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for forgiving me. I make you my Savior and my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you for praying that prayer. I want you to make sure that you click on the bottom. We're gonna, we're gonna send you some information. We would love to connect with you if you made Jesus the Lord of your life. And I wanna just be the first to say congratulations on the most important decision you've ever made. Thanks again for joining us today. If you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast. 
If you'd like to further connect with us here at Faith Chapel, visit us online at faithchapelsd.com or any social media platform at faithchapelsd. See you real soon.